Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. There's no wedding episode number 762. Thankful for Mayberry and the laughs. Two Chairs No Wedding is brought to you each week by the folks over at WeaversDepartmentStore.com. Drop over at Weavers and check out some of the great items they have there. We have the Andy Griffith Show book. It's just called The Andy Griffith Show by Richard Kelly. Definitely something you might want to get. It was, uh, we'll talk about that later in the show, but it's uh, first book about the Andy Griffith Show. We've got the essential behind the scenes of the Andy Griffith Show. Definitely something you want to check out. And while you're there, you might want to pick up a gospel according to Andy. It's got all kinds of life lessons from the Andy Griffith Show in it. Head over to WeaversDepartmentStore.com and check it out. Two Chairs No Waiting is also brought to you by donations from listeners like you. The executive producer of episode number 672 is Sarah Blaine. And the Patreon patron of the week is Chris Merrill. So thank you very much, Chris and Sarah. And thank you for being here with me. I'm Alan Newsom, the host of Two Chairs No Waiting. I'm also a Floyd the Barber tribute artist and just run different websites about the Andy Griffith Show. Basically, I'm a huge fan and just like you and hopefully that comes through as i talk and and, and visit with you guys each week uh, we've got plenty of episodes if you don't like what you're hearing just stop and go listen to an older one because there's got to be at least one out of the 761 previous episodes <laughs> surely there's one there's one somewhere that you would like I hope. Well, we're going to be talking uh, this week about thankful. It is uh, in the U.S. It is Thanksgiving week uh, here in the U.S. So I wanted to talk about things we're kind of thankful for. And really, for this podcast, we talk about it every week almost. Uh, the It's Mayberry. We're thankful for Mayberry and all the fun and happiness it has given us over the years, uh, you know, for just just for everything it's given us. And so I ran across an article that is in a publication or a website called Everyday Monkey, believe it or not. That's the name of it. I'll put a link to this in our show notes so you can go and see the original article. And we will not cover it all. Uh, but uh, it it has a lot of stuff in here that I think we're going to enjoy or you're going to enjoy hearing about. And it's going to make you smile. It's going to remind you why we're thankful of the Andy Griffith show as we go. So let me get us a little background music going. There we go. So just a little background music just to make things more fun as we listen and go through this. So this article, as I said, is behind the scenes secrets from the Andy Griffith show that transport us back to Mayberry. That is the title. That is a long title <laughs> of this story. But I think, uh, I think it's going to make us all smile as we go through there. The Andy Griffith Show was one of the most popular uh, and pop culture cornerstones of the 1960s. And in this era, 
simply wouldn't be the same without it if we didn't have that. If the Andy Griffith Show didn't exist, the world wouldn't be the same, would it? The town of Mayberry was always there to welcome viewers of all ages who are in the mood for some, I guess you would call it comfort TV, I guess might be what you would say, you know, if that's what you wanted to say it's called, some comfort TV. Over half a century later, the legacy of the show still lives on. And if you're ready for a little trip down memory lane, we've got you covered. Uh, I bet you didn't know some of these behind-the-scenes secrets from one of the best series in American television history. And hopefully it'll make you appreciate the Andy Griffith Show a little more and just enjoy it, right? So, the first appearance... Uh, the first appearance of widowed sheriff Andy Taylor and his young son Opie uh, were the beating heart of the Andy Griffith Show. But did you know this wasn't the first series that features the characters? I think a lot of you guys that uh, listen to my podcast or watch it did know that. But Andy and Opie actually made their debut on the Danny Thomas Show. Andy Griffith was interested in branching out into television at the time, and Sheldon Leonard and Danny Thomas were so impressed by him that they came on board as the producers of the Andy Griffith Show. So they really drew Andy in. So I'll be kind of fixing this article as we read it. So they got Andy uh, to start the Andy Griffith Show, starring him, obviously. Uh, No hit series would be complete without a memorable open credit. Uh, you know, that that is so true, isn't it? Uh, so a lot of series that we know over the years have great music or credits or something that we love. Well, The Andy Griffith Show is definitely one of those. Uh, it has a memorable opening scene. Uh, Andy and Opie are seen walking to their favorite fishing spot. And it helps that the opening is... It just perfectly fits the setting, doesn't it? The music, Andy and Opie walking. If you, as you remember the the sounds and seeing that and that whistling as it starts, the theme song, the the fishing hole or the theme to the Andy Griffith Show is what it's really called, uh, was composed by Earl Hagen and Herbert Spencer, while Everett Sloan wrote lyrics later, uh, and it was called the fishing hole. The producers felt that the whistling was the best fit for the series. And Hagen himself, Earl Hagen, ended up being the whistler during that opening sequence. And wow, guys, is that not something? Every time you hear that whistling start on the television, you know exactly what is coming up, don't you? I mean, you hear it, and it just draws you right back into the room. Now, something else you may or may not be aware is that the Andy Griffith Show was shot with three cameras. No, it wasn't. (laughs) It wasn't. Uh, The opening credits of the Andy Griffith Show feature a memorable shot of Opie tossing a rock into the pond. Yeah, but it turns out that scene wouldn't have worked without a little bit of Hollywood magic that you may not know about because Ron Howard... Uh, only had three chances, three shots to get it right because that water supply is actually the water supply for Los Angeles. Uh, so part of that water, that Franklin Canyon, where they filmed the opening credits, 
that's actually the water supply or part of the water supply for Los Angeles. So they were only allowed to throw three rocks into the water because, you know, you're going to somebody's got to drink this water later. So so uh, there was a strict rule about it that, that they could take the three rocks. The prop department had three rocks ready to go. Three. That's all they had. <laughs> Uh, and they carefully clean them in, uh, uh, so that their presence in the lake wouldn't affect the uh, potability, which the drinkability, of the water. Uh, Ron Howard recalled this in his book, The Memoir, uh, The Boys, The Memoir of Hollywood and Family, uh, if, you'll, if you've read that book. So the prop master was to the rescue. Ron Howard, uh, you know, he, at the time, when he was really little, had a fairly, well, his arm. He was a young man. So he had a skinny little arm, he said. And it wasn't powerful enough to throw the rock far enough out into the lake or into the water uh, for the shot that they were looking for. And producers had to come up with a quick solution to solve the problem and to get the, the splash that they needed. So the prop master came in, and Howard moved his arm and didn't actually throw a rock uh, but it, so it wasn't him that actually created the splash that you see out in the river prop master reggie smith was hiding behind a tree over i guess if you're watching the show it'd be over to the right and he threw the rock and if you watch the splash comes from a slightly different direction than if opia had thrown it i never noticed that until somebody actually told this story there's something to watch if you've never noticed that check that out at the beginning of the andy griffith show that's uh, i think that's pretty cool uh so basically that's how they did it uh, uh back then so uh that's how they got it in there so opie's uh skipping skills aren't the only memorable part of the andy griffith show opening credits once he's done throwing the rock, Andy looks at it and gives him a slight nod and starts walking away. Well, after, after watching those episodes over the years, Andy Griffith noticed that he gave that little nod uh, in the scene, and it reminded him of his own father when he saw himself do that. When Andy saw himself do that, it reminded him of, of his father, because uh, his dad used to nod his ch head in a similar manner. And this turned out to be a subtle tribute to Andy Griffith's very own father. Isn't that cool? <laughs> so, man, I tell you, this show has just got so many uh, amazing, amazing things in it. Uh, so, uh, uh, Opie's name. So there, there's another, there's another thing we can talk about here. So Opie's name is not a common name. It's not very common, and uh, that's not a coincidence uh, that the masterminds behind the show decided to pick it. Andy's Taylor's son was named after Opie Cates, a clarinet player and band leader who was active during the swing era. Yeah, have you ever heard that? That is the truth. And that's what Opie was named after him. I've done some podcasts about that before, so go back and check it out. So uh, Opie Cates was very prominent during the early 30s and the 40s. And Andy Griffith and the show's producer, Leonard uh, Sheldon Leonard, uh, 
learned that they shared a admiration for that music from Opie Cates, and they decided to honor him by naming one of the characters after Opie Cates. That's right. So, Opie, we know, you know, it was just Andy and Opie, and then Aunt B uh, took care of them. Uh, so, from his dad to Aunt B, Opie was surrounded by many people who took care of him in his youth. His, his mother wasn't one of them. Uh, since the show referred to Andy as a widower on several occasions, it's pretty clear that she passed away, but we never did learn how. The only thing we ever heard uh, that when, was when he was just a speck of the boy, his mom passed away. But that's pretty much all we ever heard uh, about Opie's mom. Now, it was mentioned on the uh, <laughs> on the Danny Thomas show episode uh, that was the pilot for the Andy Griffith show, the backdoor pilot. Uh, it was mentioned that uh, Opie's turtle had been stepped on, and and Andy mentioned something about his mom, and so Opie said, "Who stepped on Ma?" I'm pretty sure that nobody actually stepped on his mother, but that was what they actually <laughs> they actually mentioned. And it was a mystery that we never found out the answer to. Uh, another thing that kind of remained a mystery a little bit during the show was uh, until toward the end, the characters on the Andy Griffith show did a great job covering their tracks and mentioning different addresses on different occasions throughout the series uh, for Andy's, for their address, right? So in the episode, Aunt B's Medicine Man, Aunt B told Colonel Harvey that their address was 332, 332 Maple Road. When asked what Andy's address is in the episode Jailbreak, Andy mentioned, I mean, Barney mentions that it's 24 Elm Street, while Andy told Dr. Thomas Peterson and it was 14 Maple in the new doctor in town. So it moved all around. Just a little trivia. A little trivia there. So it was a mystery pretty much the whole time. Where exactly does Andy live in town? Now, maybe they renamed their streets a lot. <laughs> maybe they got the 911 system and had to rename. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's what happened. So we know about Andy Griffith's hometown. Uh, we may not know about his real address uh, for Andy Taylor, but it's pretty clear that he came up with the idea for the fictional town of Mayberry. It's drawn a lot of inspiration from Andy Griffith's hometown, uh, Mount Airy, North Carolina. And the connection between the two is clear in the episode Black Day for Mayberry. Uh, one of the scenes in that show, Barney is flipping through a phone book uh, that's sitting on the sheriff's desk, and its cover, it can be seen, if you take some screenshots and stuff and look at it, that it clearly reads Mount Airy on the phone book. So definitely uh, definitely something, if you've, uh, if you've watched that episode, you'd have seen. Uh, most comedies back at that time frame, most television comedies were filmed on a soundstage with an audience uh, la laughing in real time. You know, like that's they did the three camera thing. That's what I was talking about a little earlier. Well, Andy Griffith didn't want to do it that way. He wanted a different approach. 
He wanted his show to be shot on a location with a laugh track being added in post-production with one camera. More like a movie. So he decided to go down that road and, and push to go that way because he believed the town of Mayberry would feel more authentic if he did it that way. Uh, he also thought the actors could be more focused on their performance than trying to make an audience laugh, which would kind of distract them. That was Andy's thinking. Uh, so it may have been uh, may have been influenced by the fact he had made movies already, and that's what he was comfortable with doing. But that's what they did for the Andy Griffith Show. They filmed it like a movie as well. So, all right. So we all have our own favorite episodes of the Andy Griffith Show. And the same goes for the actors who spent years playing these beloved roles on the Andy Griffith show. When it comes to Andy Griffith, he said Barney's first car was his favorite. So Barney's first car, which, you know, <laughs> I don't believe I've ever seen a thing like that. Uh, Ron Howard, he picked the ball game. You remember that one? The ball game? Oh. It's his number one episode, uh, and his love for that episode really it kind of comes from a heartwarming backstory that you may be aware of. Uh, the ball game was pinned at, by his father Rance Howard, so Rance actually influenced that episode uh, and helped come up with a story idea for the ball game because it actually happened. Uh, you can read that story in The Boys, the book by Ron Howard. I think he tells that story. And it's a really amazing story uh, that his dad had been calling. The baseball game called him out. It's what happened to Andy on there. So that's kind of where that came from. And wow, what a great story. Now, that was Ron's favorite. The pickle story. <laughs> it's gone down and history is one of the most memorable Andy Griffith show episodes of all times, at least for a lot of people, but opinions of the cast are kind of divided. Don Knotts said it was his favorite of all time uh, episode, but uh, actually Ron Howard, he said he's not a huge fan of pickles. He doesn't like pickles. So on the episode, if you watch when he's eating the pickles, it's not actually a pickle or they put put chocolate on it or something they did something uh ron says i hated pickles so much biting the pickles was just unbelievable burden it was a chore it was painful that's what he said uh, on the archive of american television back in 2006 so you can get online and find that and he tells that whole story in like pickles but it was don knight's favorite episode uh so the, no no uh, policeman, no policeman can pursue justice without a squad car. So Andy and Barney's Ford Galaxy was one of the show's best supporting actors. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, if you see a car that's a 1960 to 65 Ford Galaxy, or even if it's a Ford Fairlane that looks, they've got very similar body styles. When you see it, you think, oh, there's the Andy Griffith car. <laughs> uh, but you knew, I think, uh, hopefully you knew. And if you didn't, uh, here's something for you to know. They weren't driving the same car the whole time. Oh, no. No, 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 no. It wasn't the same car every time. There were 
according to this article, at least, there were 10 different Ford Galaxies, because I think each season they had more than one car, actually, for that season. Uh, 10 different Ford Galaxies appeared on the Andy Griffith Show throughout the run, and the producers didn't have to spend anything on them because they got them for free each year by from Ford. Uh, even though General Motors was the show's main sponsor, the Ford Motor Company got a lot of free promotions because they... <laughs> Because the nearby Ford dealer uh, supplied the show with new model Ford Galaxies each year. Oh, man. So, guys, this article goes on and on. I don't want to keep running through it, but I do want to say this. Uh, Real life best friends, Don Knotts had the time of his life playing Barney Fife alongside Andy Griffith and their chemistry. It was real. They developed a strong bond while starring in the show, but you know they had already met uh, back in 1955, long before starring on the Andy Griffith Show. Uh, they were friends even after Don's left the show. They stayed in touch until he passed away in 2006. And Griffith later said, Andy did, that the five years they worked together were the best five years. Uh, of his life and many amazing things occurred during that time frame. Uh, they had a great time working on the Andy Griffith show together and uh, they stayed friends and uh, Andy Griffith pulled pranks on Don all the time. Uh, so he would target jokes at him and he, Andy was, was to Don what most people are, are Andy, he was he was Don to most people. Don was, but Andy Griffith couldn't resist calling him Jess. <laughs> he called him Jess all the time because Andy found out that Don's full name was Jesse Donald Knotts, Don Knotts, and uh, Don didn't particularly like it. He hated that name. He didn't like Jess, and of course, that's not something you want to tell one of your coworkers. I don't know how it is where you work, but you don't do that. Because Andy uh, then immediately started calling him Jess. So there you go. And Don had his, he had nicknames, obviously, for Andy as well, which we heard on the show, Ange. He called him Ange. He basically came up with it, according to the story, uh, by combining Andy and Griffith. So it was A, Ange, Ange. He put the G on there, right? Uh, so he shortened it to Ange. And he was so used to using it, he couldn't stop even when the cameras were rolling. So if you pay attention on the show, you'll hear Barney call him Ange. But, you know, that's that's completely perfect. Well, folks, those are just some of the things about the Andy Griffith Show that I think we all can be thankful for. And there's more in this article. I will leave a link. In the show notes, uh, for you to go and read all these things, there's all kinds of things on here uh, that continues to tell you more about the Andy Grover Show. But if those things didn't make you smile by bringing memories about the Andy Grover Show back to your mind, uh, there's something wrong. Because the Andy Grover Show is just so special. Uh, We have been so lucky uh, to have a show like this as part of our lives 
And I'm so thankful for Mayberry and all the people who created it and made it real. And uh, so thank you to all them. I have a, a thing I need to bring forward now to tell you somebody else that we're thankful for. And uh, th- this is a, it's a little sad news, but it's actually not terribly bad, I don't think. We want to we wanna honor this. Uh, this, is, uh, this is something you may not have heard about, and I definitely wanted to honor it. Uh, Dr. Richard Kelly, that you may or may not know, uh, who that is, Dr. Richard Kelly, uh, he wrote a book you may have heard of. I don't know uh, if you've heard of it or not, but here's the story. Dr. Richard Kelly of Knoxville, Tennessee, passed away on May 27th in 2023, and he was 86 years old. He was a native of New York, uh, and but he and he received his master's degree in 1961 his phd in english uh, from duke university in durham north carolina Uh, richard uh, joined the faculty there in the university of tennessee in 1965 and he taught victorian literature and writing of poetry now richard was a prolific researcher and author having written and edited more than 20 publications but this is one that's going to kick us. The most widely widely known of these publications is his book, The Andy Griffith Show, published back in 1981. The book is a study of the wholesome humor and of the life of the town of Mayberry, North Carolina. Uh, this book helped spark the widespread popularity of The Andy Griffith Show, and it helped establish even more than... 1,480 Andy Griffith Show Rio and Watchers Club chapters worldwide because it was mentioned in his amazing book. In addition to writing, he, he was he was an artist. He 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 liked to reflect on things like uh, do things like ships and the, and the sea and seasons and uh, the stillness of wilderness and nature. That's what he focused on in his art, and he maintained his connection and care to all living things throughout his life, watering the garden, feeding the birds, and appreciating wildlife right outside his front door on a daily basis. Wow, does that not sound like Mayberry, isn't it, though? In 1983, Richard was the founding member of the Mayberry chapter of the Andy Griffith Show Rerun Watchers Club. Now, the Mayberry chapter was the 29th chapter of the, of the club, uh, the Rerun Watchers Club, uh, so that's why they have such a great name, the Mayberry chapter. There's only the 29th one. So, man, it's hard to be like, you know, the original chapter is the Andy chapter, and then there's the Barney chapter. And, you know, there's, it's hard to be one of the one-name chapters like that. Uh, but they got a great name. And to this day, Richard's Mayberry chapter that he was a founder of is one of the most active Andy Griffith Show, Rio and Watchers Club chapters there is. They are very active and even put out a newsletter that's called the Mayberry Minutes. Definitely encourage you to check those out. Uh, there, there's actually a paper newsletter uh, that's put out uh, by Dennis Bill and uh, definitely something you'd want to do. So R- Richard inspired all of this uh, uh, and it, as noted by 
Dennis Bill from the Mayberry chapter. Richard was very fond of Opie the Birdman. Well, you just talked about it. He liked to watch birds and paint birds and stuff. So when you watch Opie the Birdman, if you would, think of Richard and thank him. Be thankful for him for being one of the early pioneers of the Andy Griffith Show Rerun Watchers Club. What a great legacy he has left us. Uh, is just being uh, having written that book. That was one of the very first Mayberry books, if not the first. I believe it was the first Mayberry book about the Andy Griffith Show. And what a, it's a great book. If you haven't ever read it, you can pick one up at Weaver's. There's two scripts in there. One of them is. Uh, I can't remember what it is, but one of them is not even published. One of them is a published one, or one uh, one that was actually made into an episode, and the other one is not. It was it's called the Wandering Minstrel, and it it has never even been created as a episode of the Andy Griffith Show. So it is definitely something you want to you want to check out if you haven't seen it. Uh, I can't find the name of the other, but oh, here it is. Sermon for Today is the other book that's in there. And by the way, I'm reading that right out of uh, Mayberry Minutes uh, from uh, Dennis Bill and the Mayberry chapter. Uh, you can subscribe to it. There is a cost. You got to pay them because they they it's a le- it's actually paper, and so it costs them something to print it and send it to you. Uh, but if you'd like to get in touch with them, uh, I will put something in the show notes that'll tell you how to get in touch with them to do that. It's also in the Weavers newsletter, if you want to check there. It's there as well. So, folks, uh, that is what I had uh, for that kind of entertainment. So, for just a little bit of entertainment, look, I, I know the last two weeks of our podcast, we've been doing uh, trivia questions from the Andy Griffith Show. And they've been kind of hard, and your brain's probably all swole up from trying to think, and it's inflamed. So I just wanted to do uh, about four questions just to let you ease yourself back out and you know get back into the groove. <laughs> so let's do about four questions of a little bit of Mayberry trivia. Here's the first one. Helen grew up in Kansas. True or false? Helen grew up in Kansas. True or false? Okay, so the answer is, and see, this is pretty easy. You can just guess. Flip a quarter. You know, you just get the answer. The answer is, that's true. Helen grew up in Kansas. Question number two. We're only going to do four tonight, or today, whenever you're listening. Uh, What were Clara's two last names? Oh, that's a good one. What were Clara's two last names? She had two different last names that were used on the Andy Griffith Show. What were they? What were Clara's two last names? Okay, I've always thought maybe one was her maiden name and one was her married name because she talks about her husband having passed away. And maybe, I mean, Aunt B knew her uh, when she wasn't married. So I bet you, I think, I've always thought that. But I may be wrong. All right, what were two last names? Their names that were given were she was Clara Edwards and she was Clara Johnson. Folks in their chat room are getting it. So if you'd like to be a part of our chat room on Monday nights at 7 Central, 8 Eastern Time, we gather in at live.twochairsnowaiting.com and folks visiting our chat room. There's 30-some-odd people in there right now. Number three. 
What section of the newspaper did Andy read first? What section of the newspaper... Oh, I'm sorry. Let me read this again. Don't answer. What section of the newspaper did Aunt B read first? Not Andy. What section of the newspaper did Aunt B read first? Hmm. I don't know what Andy read first. Some of you guys may know that. What section of the newspaper did Aunt B read first? The answer... So folks are saying sports is what they think Andy read first. That, that makes sense. But what section of the newspaper did Aunt B read first? Pause if you don't want to know. But the answer is Mayberry After Midnight. That's what she read. <laughs> Mayberry After Midnight. I believe uh, Red Akins was the person who wrote that. Mayberry After Midnight. All right. Question number four. Question number four. And this is our last question tonight. How many pancakes did Goober eat to win the county fair contest for eating pancakes? How many pancakes did Goober eat to win the county fair contest? Ooh, that's kind of hard. So I'm going to give you a second here to think about it. How many pancakes did Goober eat? How many did he eat? And then I'm going to give you some multiple choice to try to help you. So if you don't know, yeah, Rhett Aikens. Red Akins. I said red, I think, didn't I? Red Akins wrote it. Uh, okay, so here it is. I'm going to give you some multiple choice here. How many pancakes did Goober eat to win the county fair? Was it 18, 36, 45, or 57? Okay, so give me your answer. This is how many he ate. How many pancakes did Goober eat to win the county fair contest? He ate 57, 57 pancakes. I wonder what kind of pancakes they were. You think they were like a little silver dollar pancakes or were they like real pancakes? I mean, like, you know, big fluffy uh, mama's pancake breakfast at Cracker Barrel pancakes. Or were they like little bitty silver dollar pancakes? I I mean, 57. Wouldn't they have to be the small one? I can't imagine. How could you even eat 57 pancakes? So that'd be nice to hear from you. Have Have any of you ever eaten anywhere near 57 pancakes? Even the silver dollar ones. The, you know, I don't know if you know what those are. Silver dollar pancakes about, mm, I'd say about three inches across. They're small. You know, they're not very big. Where regular pancakes, I don't know, six or six or seven inches, they fill up a whole plate across. But I can't imagine eating fifty-seven of those pancakes. Boy, not much lays on his chest. That's exactly. So uh, that that is it, guys. That is the show. <laughs> that is the show. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've laughed. I hope you got some stuff to be thankful for, and. I hope you didn't eat 57 pancakes and don't eat all the chicken or turkey and dressing or chicken or whatever you're going to eat for Thanksgiving. Don't, you know, don't eat so much. You can't even, you know, breathe. (laughs) Have a great week guys. Uh, It's thankful. We're here in Mayberry. I'm thankful for you guys. 
I'm thankful for all the stuff I've been able to do in my life. It's been so amazing. Folks, I'd love to hear from you. you give me a call at 888-684-8415 or email me at floyd at and we will see you back right here next time on Two Chairs. Good night, everybody.